the realization that I was not going to measure up by my own volition. There was that point in my life where things began to shift. Now, it's not an overnight deal. You don't go to sleep one night, wake up the next, and you are sanctified. (laughs) I wish it worked that way, but it doesn't. So things began to shift. I started to see things differently. I put away the sin that I was involved in. And that was the best thing for me. Um, And it should come to no surprise to anyone here. That was the best thing that could have happened in my life. Um, So by these promises that I took a hold of, I said, God, I, I want this eternal life. And I want you to start working on me right now because I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, that's it's not sustainable and it's not glorifying you. So in Romans 12, 2, we see, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there, Paul writes that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So again, indicating a shift in our thinking once we come to Christ. Okay, and back in Second Peter, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, if you haven't escaped that corruption, you may not be a partaker of the divine nature because they don't go together. You, you hate the sin. Um, it's not something that you turn away from because, oh, well, I'm going to church now. I, I consider myself a Christian, so I guess I really shouldn't be doing this, but I really want to. That shouldn't be how it is. It should abhor you. Uh, when we have that shift in our heart, it should be evident in every other aspect of our life. Christ, the chief cornerstone, the cornerstone which everything else is measured off of. In verse 5, Peter writes, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Back up to verse 5, he says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith. That's assuming that we have faith. So again, he's talking to believers. They have faith, and the faith is that foundation. If you have all of the building materials, which are all of these things that are listed after faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, on and on. If you have all these building materials, you start building you a house without a foundation. You can make the most beautiful house, you know, a mansion. If it is not set on a foundation, it's not going to last any time. It's a house of cards. 
And it's just waiting for a little tremor to come along, maybe even a little wind to blow, and it all crumbles. But if you have the faith, and the faith that you're saved with, if you have that foundation, then you can add these things to it. And it creates a strong structure and a beautiful structure, something that you're content with, a house that you're content with. So once we have this faith, we'll add to it. And another way to translate that word for add is supply. So once you have the faith, supply these things, add these things to it. Uh, Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Now, you, you really don't want to wait until you get to heaven to be like Jesus. We want to start that process now. And these are things that we add to our faith that will move us in that direction. The word virtue means simply moral excellence. So if you have the divine nature, then there should be this virtue, this moral excellence that is in your life. Knowledge, now this is talking of a practical knowledge or an understanding. This is actually a slightly different word than the knowledge that was used before in the chapter. Uh, This is not speaking specifically of an experiential knowledge, but more of a simple understanding. So add to your faith understanding. Grow in the things um, of the word of God. Grow in the word of God. Uh, And the only way to do that is to open it up and read it. Self-control, this is speaking of resisting the pressure of temptation. Now, it's interesting that self-control and perseverance both um, speak of pressure. There's pressure in both of them. Self-control is resisting an outside pressure to give in to something, to give in to sin. Perseverance is speaking more of bearing up under pressure. So you are under pressure and perseverance lets you bear up under that pressure um, and continue on in it. Godliness is a holiness or a devotion. It's a piety towards God. Now, devotions, the things that you read with your kids, they're great. But devotions are not worth anything if the parents don't have devotion. Okay? The parents need to devote themselves to Christ and demonstrate that to the kids before reading a devotional with them is going to have any impact in their lives whatsoever. Uh, They have to see that example. So devotions are not worth anything without devotion. Brotherly kindness, and the word for this in the Greek is Philadelphia. You know, we have a city up north called Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The name for Philadelphia is directly from this. Uh, Philadelphia meaning brotherly love or brotherly kindness. This love is agape, and we're all familiar with agape. It's that self-sacrificial divine love uh, that comes from Christ. Christ demonstrated it to us, and therefore we should be demonstrating it to others. 
So you'll notice that all of these things build on each other. Okay, you start with virtue, moral excellence, and you end with agape, this self-sacrificial divine love. So each one of these things is building on the previous. And once you come to the end, to agape, you have this Christ-like characteristic. Christ demonstrated love. Um, We know what agape is because of what Jesus did. And that's the only way that, that we could conceptualize this kind of love. Verse 8, he says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you say you want to go into ministry, understand that the ministry must go into you. In Acts, the apostles did not go into ministry. In fact, they were told to wait in the city until they were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So they're hanging out in the city, just kind of waiting for this Holy Spirit to descend on them. And I have no doubt that they wanted to go share what they had seen. They wanted to do that. They wanted to go into the ministry. But they waited until the ministry came into them. You see, we can't do anything, literally nothing, without the Holy Spirit. Um, He prepares the hearts of those who will receive the word. He gives me what I need to say. I mean, I wouldn't know what to say. I'm, I'm actually really, really bad at public speaking. And that is not a joke. You should have seen me in my, my public speaking class. It was horrendous. But really, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. So if you want to go into ministry, that is the ticket, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's, that's really not something you can choose, but he certainly chooses you. Now, he says, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You picking up on a a theme here? Knowledge? We're going to see knowledge throughout this whole book. And again, this knowledge is a defense against the false teachers that you'll see pop up. You have to be grounded in the faith, know what you believe, so that when you hear something contrary to that, that you can recognize it. And not even contrary to it, but something that is not the full truth. Because so often you'll, you'll see these guys pop up and they will say good things. They will sound beautiful. And they are good public speakers. And they'll make it sound really enticing. And most of what they say can be true. But if one little thing is not true, they can slip it by a lot of believers. It's like a a wolf sneaking into the flock of sheep wearing a sheepskin. They look like they belong there, but when you really examine it, you find out that it's not what it seems to be. So through knowledge... He says, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and it's, it can be read like 
you will know through your experiences Christ. You will know Christ through your experiences because you have this knowledge of him. Verse 9, he says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted. That's a bummer. Even to blindness. And he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. The, the believer, and we're still talking about believers here, who does not have these things that are listed in verses 5 through 7, he's not functioning up to par. He's not fulfilling what God wants in his life. Because he's not exhibiting these Christ-like characteristics that he's called to. Uh, the Hopi Indians told a story, and I think it's very applicable here. Uh, there was an eagle that uh, had a bunch of eggs, and one of them rolled out of the nest and into the care of a, a prairie hen. So that prairie hen being extremely intellectually um, adept, he took that eagle egg and didn't realize that it was like, that big and her eggs were that big. But anyways, she sat on the egg and uh, hatched this eagle. And it grew up with a bunch of prairie hens around it. And it thought it was a prairie hen. Did everything that prairie hens do, right? Never learned to fly. Uh, just stuck around with the, the ones that it thought it belonged to. And one day this eagle came soaring above the prairie hens. And a little baby eagle who thought it was a prairie hen looked up and was just daydreaming about flying and being an eagle. Um, he, he started to say, oh, I wish. And then he got cut off by the other prairie hen saying, no, 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 you can't do that. You're a prairie hen. Shut up. So he was kind of taken aback. He was like, okay. And then he lived the rest of his life as a prairie hen and died. But he had the capacity to do what that eagle was doing that he saw. He had the capacity, the hardware was there, but the software still needed to be downloaded. Okay, if you're a computer guy, that may make more sense to you. But just like that baby eagle, we have the capacity to exhibit all these characteristics. We have that divine nature. That's the hardware that's required. But it's our job to download the software. Okay, we need to develop these things in ourselves. Um, And of course, only by Christ, by the Holy Spirit, can we do that. But that is what we're called to do. Don't fumble around saying, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could show these things in my life. I wish, I wish. Because truly, like the eagle, you have the capacity to do that. God is not dangling a carrot in front of our noses, um, giving us something that we can't actually do. And God is not looking for people who are qualified to serve him. He's looking for people who are willing and available to serve him. Um, I promise I'm not qualified to be here. Not qualified to be talking to you right now but I was willing. And I truly believe that that is the only reason that I'm here. It's amazing what he can do uh, with your life when you turn it over to him.
I do thank God for letting me do what I'm doing. And I think about it often. Um, and I'm just simply taken aback by it. Uh, but, you know, what else can we do but give it our best and commit the rest? I love that. In verse 9, he also says, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. How tragic. Now, it doesn't say that he wasn't cleansed from his old sins. It says he just forgot about it. He lost that reality. Uh, It lost its punch to him. Now, how can we hold a grudge against someone else when we are forgiven for as much as we have been forgiven for? How can we do that? Except that we forgot what we were forgiven for. If we forget that we were cleansed from all of our sins, then we will lose our ability to forgive others. It's because he has forgiven us that I feel I am not qualified to not forgive someone else. So truly, um, that is the the believer who has lost sight of these things. He's short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about assurance here. Assurance of your salvation. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, there is no surety that is needed on God's part. He is unchanging. He has given us promises. And those things will never change. We don't need extra assurance on God's side of the deal. What we need assurance for is our side of the deal. Um, Constantly assuring, ensuring that our faith is there because that is what will be shaken. And uh, Jesus told Peter that he had prayed for him, that his faith would remain steadfast. So the faith is the thing that we must be sure of. And there's no uncertainty on his part, uh, but on ours, the only security is our faith in his promise, those great and precious promises and the fruits of the spirit in our lives. Now in this verse, Peter subjoins election to calling. Okay. We see this connection between election and calling. Um, And God's elect are those who are predestined. So when we say someone is predestined, that is like saying they are elect of God. Romans 8:30 tells us, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So here in Romans, Paul starts with election and then moves to calling. Okay? Moreover, whom he predestined, the elect, these he also called. So God chooses them And then he calls them 
into him. If you're always pressing towards making these things, the election and your calling certain, if you're always pressing towards making those certain, you won't stumble. Here's why. Because you'll always be striving to be more like Christ. There will not be a time when you're stagnant if you are always striving to make your calling and election sure. Listen to this verse that we're talking about in the Wiest translation. And this is from Kenneth Wiest. He was a Greek scholar and he translated the New Testament um, and pulled out a lot of the tenses and the more, I won't say more accurate, but more true to the actual original language. So listen to this right here. He says, bend every effort to make for yourselves your divine call and your divine selection, things that have been confirmed. For doing these things, you will never stumble. So if you're doing these things, you won't stumble because your heart is oriented in the correct direction. You're striving to be more Christ-like. You are chasing these things. The idea is this. If you're in the act of making these things sure, you will be oriented the right way and you won't fall during the race. Okay, and this word stumble is a metaphor in the Greek for someone who falls during a, a sporting event, a race. Okay, so we know Paul likens our Christian walk as a race, and he talks about it as this literal race. Um, here, we have an interesting correlation between Paul and Peter both in referring to a race, a sporting event. Verse 11 says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right here, an entrance can be more accurately translated the entrance. And Kenneth Wiest actually does translate it as the entrance. Um, So, you know, there's not more than one entrance but there's the entrance, which is Jesus Christ. For so the entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is also interesting. The word supplied here in verse 11 is the same word that Peter used in verse 5, just a few verses before, in talking about supplying or adding those things, virtue, knowledge, all of those things. So it seems that there's an intentional connection between these two verses. And Peter is effectively saying that in adding these things that he lists in verses five through seven to a solid foundation of faith, you can be certain that everlasting life will be supplied to you. That seems to be really what he's saying here. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to stop there this morning, and we'll pick up in verse 12 next week. Um, it is interesting for me to, to see how Peter goes about talking about these issues. Um, I know some of these are hot-button issues for us. Um, eternal security, the election. Uh, but he does so so simply. 
And it can be understood very well if you just take it for what it is. Okay, we, I personally try not to interject my own understanding into the text, but simply see what it's saying. And in some cases, the original language can be helpful. Um, and there are tools to let you do that more effectively. I don't know Greek or Hebrew, but there are tools that let us do that. So we take the text and we pull out meaning from the text. We don't interject our own meaning into the text. So if we do that with these passages that deal with hot button issues, I think it, it goes over quite well. And we just simply see what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us about these things. So going into the week this week, I encourage you to keep that in mind. Um, and I encourage you to grow in the knowledge of the word of God. Um, and that will be your defense uh, in the future. And we know that false teachers are coming and are present. Uh, so now more than ever, literally more than ever before, it is more important for us to be rooted and grounded in the word of God so that we are not deceived. Let's close in a word of prayer.